0: Finally, made it through chapter one, studying this book of the Bible, and uh, we start chapter two. Our big outline: were chapters one, two, and three are how to build an effective church. These are pastoral epistles, uh, counsel to Timothy, and, and being a pastor and looking over the church. There, we saw in chapter number one the church and its doctrine, and in chapter number two we're going to look at the church and its devotions. The church and its devotion. Um, we're going to see, uh, first of all, in verses 1 through 8, which is as far as I'd like to get tonight, we'll look at the practice of worship in the church. The practice of worship in the church. And uh, let's read that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. It says, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word. Thank you, God, for this book in the Bible that we're focused on here recently. Lord, it's just great practical teaching and truths for churches and for pastors. And, and Father, I pray that, Lord, you would just uh, bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Now, Lord, I ask you to put a hedge about us tonight. And, Lord, help, Lord, there be no distractions, no issues or anything that, Lord, uh, would want to take our attention away from your word. I pray you bless now. And, Lord, just teach us something. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's look at this, the church and its devotion. Uh, in verses 1 through 8, we see the practice of worship in the church. And um, we'll start out, um, in my big outline, uh, number one was practice worship in the uh, practice of worship in the church, and a little a, telling God about men. Now, Paul's given some instruction when we get together. Uh, he tells Timothy when the church gathers, and, and there is, uh, again, order in all the Lord's churches. Um, we are not free to decide, you know, how that we want to worship and anything and everything's acceptable as long as it's, you know, to God. Uh, Jesus said these words to the lady at the well, that if you're going to worship the Father, you have to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, there is a right way to worship. Uh, there's a wrong way. See, say, what's the wrong way? Anything that doesn't line up with the word of God is the wrong way, right? God's given us everything we need to know and what is right, all right? And he's teaching us here, when we gather together, how to worship in God's house. And one of the main uh, focuses that we have uh, when we gather together to worship is to tell God about men. What do you mean by that? Praying, right? Speaking to God. We have prayed already tonight, no less than three times. We'll pray again once, probably twice before the night's over. And don't take that lightly. Don't just bow your head and kind of just think, oh, that's something we do and not pay attention. We all should be approaching the throne of God when we pray in that reverence and honor. And part of worship, part of church, matter of fact, Bill Alexander talked about this last Sunday morning, but Paul said, first of all, I mean, he put an emphasis that this uh, gathering to worship God, first of all, praying. Prayer is very, very important. The church ought to be a house of prayer. When you read through the book of Acts and you see some of the miracles that God did throughout the book of Acts, you will find over and over again, the church gathered together, praying together in one accord. And God, God moves and God does things. And so we have here telling God about men. Now We're talking about prayer. First of all, in verse number one, we see some types of prayer, some types of prayer. If you glance at that verse with me, and we outlined it in this way, I exhort, the, uh, exhort therefore that first of all, supplications. The first type of prayer I wrote down is, in, for outline purposes, petitioning, or supplications. As Brother Alexander said, that's falling before God in sincerity, falling before God uh, with a heavy heart, in, in agony, if you will with purpose of heart to pour your heart out before god a good example of that if you remember in the old testament when hannah and her husband went to the temple and she was praying for a son and she went and she got down on her face and she began to pray to god so much that eli the high priest thought that maybe she was drunk because she was in such you know, worked up and her mouth was moving but nothing was coming out of her mouth and she he watched that and actually approached her about this. But it was not she was just it was truly supplication. She was pouring her heart out to the Lord saying, God, please give me a child. God, if you give me this child, I'll I'll dedicate him to to you. And and this had been a prayer request on her heart for year after year after year. And she desperately wanted this and was crying out to God. That is supplication. Praying and emptying your heart out to God. The very personal, asking personal things to the Lord. When I looked at this and studied this and prepared for the message, you know, I thought, how often I fail. I mean, I've never studied prayer and left study thinking, "Boy, I'm, I'm praying now. I should be." I don't know about you, but I've never heard a sermon on prayer thinking, "Yep, I'm doing all that." Right? We always can pray more, but my fear is a lot of times, if we're not careful, things can just become a list. And um, and I am all for a prayer list. I have a prayer list. Um, but don't go through the motions. Don't just say words, vain repetition the Lord warned about in our prayers. Pour your heart out to God. There was petitioning or supplications. When was the last time that we really poured out our heart like that to God over anything? I mean... Let's really think about these things. There's supplications or petitioning. Then we have prayers, as it says. Supplications, prayers. Prayers, um, I wrote it down this way. It's awareness of who God is, and only His power can change things. It's praying that believing God's able. A confidence in God. When you pray, Jesus said, Ask. And you'll receive, seek, you'll find, knock, it shall be open unto you. It's understanding that when we bow our head, God hears our prayers. You say, well, Pastor, God, did God hear our prayers about that building in Scotland this week? Absolutely he heard our prayers. You say, but another person made a cash offer, and, well, number one, the deal's not done yet. I told Brother Hodnett, I was just like, they may walk in there and look around and say, Whoa. Way too much or something. I don't know. Or maybe they'll buy it and then give it to us. I don't know. Or maybe God doesn't want us to have that. I don't know. But understand, God always answers our prayers. It may be yes. It may be no. It may be wait a while. It may be I got something better. But I, he always answers our prayer. And when you pray in faith, you pray then trusting and asking God. I have an alarm set on my phone. goes off at noon you know and and i i stop when that alarm goes off and i pray for that building in scotland you say well it's not done yet i'm still praying keep on praying i say what if what if we don't get it okay that doesn't discourage me at all he's still god and knows what he's doing amen but we keep praying but praying is is bowing our head in recognition and the confidence that god hears every time i pray do you believe that now, it's easy to nod our head, but do you really believe that? That every time you bow your head, God hears. Prayer is knowing that you're speaking and God's listening. And when we pray, it's knowing this, that he's too wise to make a mistake. He's too loving to be unkind. He's too powerful to be stopped. Amen? I mean, when we pray, we're talking to God. So there's supplications, petitioning. There's prayers, and then I wrote down pleading. It says intercessions, coming on behalf of, coming to God on behalf of someone else. You remember whenever Abraham interceded for Lot when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, when Moses interceded for the people of Israel when God was going to judge them, Paul interceded on behalf of Israel. There's all kinds of other illustrations, but it's praying on behalf, interceding for someone else. If you have a wayward child, interceding on their behalf. If you have, you know, a, a family member, a friend that's sick, and we've already done that tonight, we're interceding on their behalf. You know, when we bowed our head and prayed, you all understand this, we didn't inform God of anything. None of us have ever prayed and God said, what? I didn't know he was sick, Right? And I'm, I'm being funny, but it, God already knows. But God wants us to pray because every time we bow our head in prayer, we are recognizing, God, I can't do anything about this. But you can. And God, this is out of my control, but not out of your control. You're God. You're a great God. You're a mighty God. You're an all-knowing God. And God instructed us to bring our request to him. Another prayer that we ought to have, first of all, when we gather together, is that of praising. It says intercessions and giving of thanks. It's easy to ask, but let's not be forgetful to praise. And that's why I brought up again in our Sunday school class this morning, you know, I I thank the Lord. Again, don't forget, a few weeks ago, Melissa is not feeling well, she has a procedure in the morning she sat in choir weeping because her grandson was going to die that day that's what the doctors told them we went to god god could have said no and he'd still be just as great and wonderful but we prayed god would spare that life and god has you know he was born under 12 ounces he now pays he now weighs one ounce and three ounces i think is what she said and uh he's growing he's absolute miracle thank you God praise him and I encourage every member of this church to praise God every day and I know I've gone over this I just want to say it again keep a list don't just just say something write it down write it down every day what you praise God for And, and, and when you start to get discouraged pull that list out and start looking just what all God's doing in your life. But I promise you, our, our issue is our flesh automatically defaults on negatives. This is what we do. You know, instead of looking out there and be like, the sun's shining, we've had rain this week. You know, God, there are places on the earth that would love to have the rain we've had this week. All right? there, there, there are places that would love to have, you know, warm weather, right? And instead, of all we ever see is, oh, it's so hot, it's so wet, so muggy. oh, right? i thank God for the sun. Praise the Lord. Thank you for the rain. Well, the grass is growing quickly. I know. Well, thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord you got the help to cut the grass. I mean, we, we just default on the negatives. We need to stop and praise God. And when we pray, make sure we're thanking the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Amen? We're so forgetful to thank God for things. Thank him for his goodness. So we have types of prayer. And then we have, uh, continuing, we have topics for prayer. So Paul tells us to pray. So we gather together, we need to pray. And I want us to remember this. Thursday night, we're going to gather together. We're going to pray Thursday night. And in our prayer, again, I hope this comes back to our thoughts as we're praying Thursday night. Supplications. Prayers intercessions and giving of thanks so we came to worship God I don't think we can successfully worship God without prayer that's what he said and don't don't mistake and I'm all for it I'm about to mention it in a little bit alright you know you see all these you know pictures and Sunday night you can always go on social media and see what's wrong with churches right all over the world, right? They got smoke coming up everywhere and light shows and jamming out with rock music and that is not worship. You can't take what is worldly and honor and worship God with it. You take some of that junk that's out there and that's not that's not worship. Again, the Lord said it. If you're gonna worship the Father, it's done in spirit and in truth. It needs to be directed by the Holy Spirit of God and within the bounds of God's Word. And it should be prayer. Well, the topics for prayer were to pray, first of all, for all men, people in general. Verse number one says, Intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. We need to pray for everybody. Did you know this is awesome to think about that God has a personal interest in everyone? let that sink in for a second. Isn't that awesome? God has a personal interest in everyone. That is just unbelievable, right? He has a personal interest in you, everybody that's in this auditorium, everybody down these roads, in this country, on this world. God has a personal interest in all. And we ought to pray for all men. We ought to pray for everyone. Uh, that we can, everyone that God directs our hearts and attentions to because if God cares about them, we should care about them. I think the bottom line is this, you know, I don't think we need to get out of the list and write down everybody's name and have six billion names read, alright? That's not what God's saying, but he is saying this, there ought to be no one that you can't pray for. I'm not praying for them, shame on you. Prayers should be made for all men. Well, you don't know what they did, pray for them. Pray to get saved. Pray to get right. Because God loves them. All right, but people in general. Then you see people in government are mentioned in verse number two. Oh, this is, is going to be a hard pill to swallow for some of you, all right? But it's biblical. Amen. All right, here we go, all right? All right, people in government. First of all, those in supreme authority. It says for kings. For kings. He said, well, if Paul would have known who our president was, he wouldn't say that. Well, at the time when Paul wrote this, Nero was emperor who was beheading Christians, impaling them and burning them as torches at nights. And he said, pray for him. So I'm pretty sure we're good praying for any of our leaders too, right? And trust me, I don't care what Paul... Paul Political side they fall on, they all need prayer. We all need prayer, right? But we are instructed to pray. Pray for those in supreme authority, the king. So, what am I praying for? You're praying for their decisions that they're making. So, I don't agree with a lot of them. Well, maybe a lot of the problem is we're not praying for them like we should. It's easy to complain, right? What's the name of your state representative that you've been praying for? Right? It's all easy to complain, right? Post a meme and make fun of things and that's the easy thing, but been praying for those Supreme Court justices that have been making a lot of really important decisions lately? I mean, we're instructed to pray for them, right? Amen? So pray for them. So we're praying for those in supreme authority. Then we also sort to pray for those with subordinate authority. It says for all that are in authority. So who's that? Again, that those mean like maybe your Congress, your representative, down to your governor, your mayor, your police, Sunday school teachers, pastors, your boss at work. Pray for all those that are in authority. And lift their name up to the Lord. Again, I get it. We're probably all pretty like-minded on our, you know, philosophies of government and and life. And and I get that. But I, for years, the entire time, whether it was, you know, President Obama when he was president, uh, President Trump when he was president... Uh, president biden now that he is president you do not hear me getting up and making fun of any of them or making light of their position or you know uh just dragging their name through the mud and trying to make him look like an idiot we as god's people should respect the office we should pray for those in authority and i don't agree with a lot of decisions that are made on every level that i've talked about but the fact is this as a child of God were to hold them up before the Lord and pray for them and hold their names up to God you see those in subordinate authority so you see topics of prayer you see types of prayer then you see targets in prayer what are we praying for? targets in prayer first of all in the presence of men alright what are we looking for in the presence of men I know we're getting deep in an outline here alright But we should be praying while living in this world, number one, for a stable environment. Verse number two, for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. A quiet and peaceable life. Paul said we need to pray for all men. We need to pray for the kings in authority, for all those who are in authority. We need to pray for them and lift them up so that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we have a lot of money in the bank and we got everything that we want. Quiet and peaceable, what Paul's praying for is say, hey, we need to pray so that we can live out our life the way God wants us to live it. Pray that we can live a quiet and a peaceable life. And he was praying there, and Nero was uh, blaming Christians for burning down Rome, which Christians did not burn down Rome, all right? But he blamed it on them. They began to be persecuted. Paul said, pray that we can live a quiet and a peaceable life, free from disturbances that would keep us from, from living for the Lord. And I know we don't think about this much, but that was, and I I do want you to catch this this evening, all right? That was something that the early church prayed for, and it was a serious matter of prayer for them. Because they were being arrested. They were being dragged out. And I mean, not just during the times of the early church when you start reading of the history and, and uh, like Fox's Book of Martyrs or you read the Martyr's Mirror or other books like that where believers were being hunted, slain because those in authority forbid them that own a Scriptures, the Bible. Those in authority did forbid them to gather together and to meet. And God's people spent time after time, hour after hour, Praying, As Paul wrote, God, please grant us that we may, we pray for those in authority, that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life so they can just live their life out how God would have them to live it, to be able to live and the freedom to live for the Lord, live as the Lord wanted to, uh, live and being a witness to the world around them and just being what God would have them to be. Please give that to us. We never ask for that. because we've all been enjoying it. We've all it's something the Elims just walked in, right? I didn't think about it till they walked in, but I'll use you as an example, right? It's taken a while for them to adjust to this culture back here. And one of the things that they have had to adjust to is the fact that they're allowed to walk down the road and tell people about the Lord without looking over their shoulder worrying and because they lived in a in a in a country in a society where that was against the law now it was amazing what god allowed them to do living under that but i guaranteed they prayed that they may live a quiet and peaceable life in russia I guarantee that was on the heart because there were so many oppositions and so it, laws and, and, and people that, could, that one person could have ruined their lives, turning them in. And all these things. And, and the fact is this, we have been spoiled and we don't pray for it when God told us to pray for it. And if we don't start praying for it, if we get our head out of the sand, it's something that can be easily lost too. It is not without, and I mean, look around you today. It is not without reason to think that our children will be on their face praying for a quiet and peaceable life and praying for their kings and those in authority that they might be able to do that. We got to be careful when we, we inherit things, we take it for granted. We quit praying for it like we should and it can be lost. It's happening in countries right around us. It's happening in this country. So pray. We pray for a stable environment. Pray that we'd be able to... We, I, I truly mean this. I wrote this. I do want to say this. I wrote it in my notes. And I believe this with all my heart. The more I studied this, we are beneficiaries of the saints of God's prayer for over a thousand years I believe for over a thousand years God's people were praying just what we just read for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty and they prayed for it and prayed for it and prayed for it and prayed for it you don't think that the Waldingians didn't pray for that you don't think The group of Baptists in northern Italy who were being hunted, we're not praying for that. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and we have just enjoyed all of the, the answer to their prayers. But I fear if we don't take this seriously, we'll be on our face again too. I'm not trying to be doomsday or scary. That's what the Bible says we're to be doing. So they prayed for a stable environment, and then they prayed for steady encouragement. Steady encouragement that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Why did they want to pray? Again, pray for your kings, pray for your leaders, so that we can uh, live a quiet and a peaceable life. Look at me, not to do whatever you want to do, not to go out there and party, not to go out there and, and just please my flesh no we prayed for this so that we can live a life in godliness in godliness and honesty godliness is just a devout and pleasing to god praying that we can live for god and not for ourselves which by the way i don't care what the world says the fact is this god expects his children to live a godly life Come as you are, be whatever you want to be. God will love you. He does love you. That has no effect with your love, but you don't love Him if you don't want to follow Him, and you have no desire to please Him. In all godliness, God wants us to live a godly life, and so the prayer here is that we might live this godly life. Understand that? Ever hear that? God wants us to live a godly life. All right, but godliness and honesty, or or a, a life of goodness, uh, honesty there. Uh, it means a, a respectable life. A life with dignity. Now listen, you don't have to be rich to live a respectable life. I don't think we have anybody rich in this auditorium. But we can live a respectable life. And I'm not saying I don't whether men or not respect us, but a life that is honoring to God. In other words, let me try to define that word honesty there. Ready? Please listen to this. Here's the, the opposite of that. Vulgar. Cheap. As in like, don't care. Uh, lazy. Synonyms would be a gentleman. Honorable. Every believer in this room, me and you, every one of us, We should live, act, talk, dress, and behave in a way that shows dignity and honor. Amen. You shouldn't be the... You know, when you go to work, you should be the hardest worker at your workplace. Because you're representing God. When, When you, you know, go in to have an interview... Are you going to sit down in a meeting, or you're just going to work in general? All right, look appropriate. When you go to the grocery store, you got to dress in a way that would honor God. And I'm not just talking standards, and we've talked about that. I just mean this. All right, you know, if, if I get up and I put on a shirt, you know, and it's got ketchup running down the front of it, and it's worn and tattered. You know, and, and uh, you can see through half of it, you know, and it stinks. And, I, and I'm and i going to run down to Kroger's. No. No, church. All right? You don't have to have nice stuff. I did not say you need fancy stuff. Goodwill is our friend. Amen. All right? Praise the Lord. All right? I wore a nice dress shirt the other day, and, and uh, I think it was Brother... Uh, uh, Joshua, you know you commented on my dress shirt, did you? He's like, Pastor, that is a nice dress shirt. I was like, Thanks, man. And I didn't even know where I got it because I know I didn't buy it anywhere. Came from Goodwill. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's awesome. You don't have really to spend money, but you don't have to look nasty. You ought to dress in a way I'm God's child. You got to comb your hair amen i mean look presentable that's what that word means it means to present yourself all right in a way that honors god and uh and and so in godliness and i wrote goodness all right being a gentleman honorable when you know big crowds walk in stop and hold the door for him Men. Amen? amen Alright, you're on a bus, there's one seat left. You got someone that's elderly or a lady standing there. Get up. Young men, get up. Been watching some things. I can't. Some things got on my nerves, right? Going in the lunchroom, ladies standing up and all these guys sitting back still sitting there chowing down stuff in their face. You stand, please. Let them sit down. Being a gentleman. In other words, what Paul is saying, pray that we can live a quiet and peaceable life so that we can live a God-honoring life, so we can live for Him, all right, and have the liberty to do so. But a steady encouragement, will go on. Uh, the pres- in the presence of men are targets of prayer, then in the presence of God. In the presence of God, in verse number three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Our motivation, everybody look at me. Our motivation in every prayer that we pray should be this, that it pleases Him. I mean, even Paul said we're praying for a quiet and peaceable life, that we can live this life in in honesty and, and live this life in godliness. We're praying for our kings and all those that are in authority. We're praying for all men. Why? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. We're praying because that's what God would want. We're praying it because God wants us to live this kind of life. And every prayer that we should pray for, right, if, matter of fact, if we're praying that we can consume things on our own lust, you ask and receive not, book of James says. So pray for the glory of God and everything, right? Uh, then we have, we, so when we gather together in worship, there's telling God about men And then in verses 4 through 8, really quickly, part of worship is also telling men about God. Preaching and sharing the truth, be it in our singing, in our praying, in our preaching. So what what, what are we sharing? Verse number 4, we're telling men about God when it comes to God and His mercy. It says there, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. It is God's Desire that all men be saved. So we need to do our best to tell everyone. There were people here this morning. I believe there were lost people here this morning. We ought to be burdened. This morning before I came to church, prayed and said, God, please, anyone that's lost, let them hear the truth today. Let them hear the gospel today be it some child in Sunday school or in junior church or here in the auditorium, let them hear the, the gospel, let them hear the good news, let them please be saved. It is God's knowledge, or it is God's desire that all men be saved, which means this, we've got to preach the Savior. Continually bring the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice before all. But that's not the only thing. It says who have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It is God's desire that all people, all men be saved and then that all come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, the way to get see that all men hear the truth and be saved, they have to preach the Savior, Jesus Christ. That all may come to a knowledge of the truth, we must preach the Scriptures. Because that is truth. Thy word is truth. And we do our best... And I hope we're honoring God in it that, that when we get up and we preach, and you young men that are training to be preachers, understand this, all right? There's a lot of stuff out there and behind pulpits that are shows and that are comedy hours and that are sob stories and a, a lot of funny stories in their life that try to throw in two points. This world and our churches need the preaching of the Word of God. Preach the Scriptures. You know, I, I got I got... I grew up in my dad's house. I got all kinds of fun stories. I could stand up here and I could, we could laugh together for the next hours. All right, and I'll throw in one of those if it, it, it illustrates something we're trying to preach. But the fact is, this there's nothing better we can do is sit there and learn what God's word says, and to hear the truth. And the only way people are going to come to a knowledge of the truth is by preaching the scriptures. Preach the word of God. Preach what thus saith the Lord. And so I believe Paul is saying here that everything, listen, all of our preaching, all of our singing, uh, the choir, our prayer life, it should all be pointing everyone to the Lord and the truth of the scriptures of the word of God. That's worship. That's worship. Worship is not putting on a show and people jumping up and down to a rock beat. That's not worship. Worship is God being glorified. God's people corporately praying. God's people getting a hold of God and God getting a hold of them. God's worship is the the son of God being lifted up through preaching and song. That is what worship is. So you have here God and his mercy and then God and the mediator verse 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I am thankful today that there is a single God. There is one God. There is one mediator. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I am thankful that there is a... Again, we, we don't believe in there is a God in every tree, in every rock, in every bush, or a some universal god that's out there pantheism or anything like that there is one god it's god the father god the son god the holy ghost but he's three in one and he is our god he's the only god there's only one mediator between god and man and that is the lord jesus christ no man cometh unto the father but by me jesus said there's no means to heaven but except through jesus christ if you're sitting in your seat tonight and you say well i think i'm going to heaven because i did you're wrong if you're sitting here focusing on maybe a, prayer, a baptism or praying over some beads or, 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 or uh, bowing down to some idol or, or burning some incense or anything else that's out there, being baptized in that water does not get you to heaven. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one single God, a, one God, one mediator, but he is a sacrificing God. We talked about it this morning in praise the Lord, verse number six, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I am thankful that Jesus paid it all. We preached on it this morning in the picture that Boaz was. We have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ in his precious blood. Praise the Lord for that. And it says there in that verse, uh, verse number six, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. I, I am thankful God had a plan before the foundation of the world. Adam didn't sin and God say, well, that messed up everything. No, God knew that would happen. And you may look and say, well, then why did God create everything in the first place? I'll give you an answer, ready? You. Because he wants to have a relationship with us. He knew what it would cost. But he was willing because he wants a relationship with each one of us. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. But we have telling men about God. God and his mercy... God and the mediator. then we see in verse 7 and 8, God and his messenger, and we'll close with this. God and his messenger. Paul says these words in verse number 7. You see Paul's appointment, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. He was ordained. That word ordained means recognized. It was appointed unto him. Again, I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail, but when a church ordains someone, they are recognizing God's call upon their life and giving them that authority to do so. It's a local church. When we ordain, we don't bring in preachers and elders from all over the county and the country. It's a local church. And as long as a church can do that, they should do that. But Paul said, I was ordained. He was appointed. It was recognized. I like what he said there. I'm ordained a preacher. The word preacher there means to herald out. To lift your voice up. Uh, It's that word herald, right? Uh, You get in the olden days when a town crier would walk through the town and they would herald something. They'd say, attention! News! They didn't walk around and be like, let me share something with all of you today. Right? That's not what they did. It's like my grandpa... You know, when I first started pastoring, my grandpa, I talked to him on Sunday afternoons, and he'd say, did you preach? I said, I believe so. He said, well, are you covered in sweat, your shirt untucked, and walking on two inches of the hem of your pants? And I said, no. He said, well, you didn't preach, son. All right, yeah, all right. But it means to cry out. You know, he'd say, you lift your voice up. Yeah, I know. We're, we're heralding out the truth. But you know, what? something else about a herald is this. They didn't make up the news. They just shared the news. And our job as a preacher is not to create something or make something man made. It's just say, This is what God has said. And we're just sharing what the Lord has said. And so you see Paul and his appointment. You see the scope of his appointment in that he was ordained to be a preacher, to herald out the news. Then you see the surety of his appointment in verse number seven. He said, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. Say, why did he have to say that? Because obviously there were people at the church at Ephesus who are trying to take away from Paul's ministry. There were people who are trying to drag his name down and maybe saying he's not—he's not who he says he is. We know it was going on in other towns, and we know there were wolves in this church. Probably didn't want to agree with what was written in this letter. And he said, "I have been ordained." A preacher and an apostle. I tell the truth, I lie not. That preacher, is the herald of the news, the apostle. God had called him. There was, again, he was a witness of the Lord and had seen him and was sharing. And he said this, he said, why did he even have to say this? Well, I believe it's directed by the Holy Spirit. I believe there are people that no doubt doubted this. But the fact is this, if you can't trust, trust the messenger, then you can't trust the message. Paul was telling them the truth the surety of his appointment and in the sphere of his appointment in verse number 7 a teacher of the Gentiles a teacher of the Gentiles the Jews hated this but the Lord did not just want the Jews to be saved and praise the Lord we're sitting here because of this he wanted the whole world to be saved and to believe as he says in that verse in faith and in verity In faith and in verity, to believe it, that it is true. Tonight, when we leave this place, I know that everything that I have read from this book, I believe it with my entire being. I know it's true. If I had any doubt on these things, I would sit down and shut my mouth. But I believe everything in this book is God's Word. Paul's prayer was that he might be used, that others would hear this and believe it in that same faith faith and verity. And you see Paul's appointment in the verse number 8, Paul's appeal. He comes back and he says, I will therefore, knowing all these things that we just talked about, church, I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That men pray everywhere. That means this that we should want and desire to get together and pray a lot more than we do. And we see each other out. I made a couple visits this afternoon. It was precious. We stood in the kitchen today, held hands with a man and his wife, and we prayed together. Men pray everywhere prayer should be a major, major focus in our life. Sadly, it's, it's not in the typical church. We're very busy. We've got lots of ministries, but how about the prayer? And the atmosphere of prayer is that we pray everywhere. And again, I'm going to leave you on a little cliffhanger here. I hope you don't get upset at this. It's the God's word, so I'm not ashamed to say it, that men would lead in this prayer. And that word men, there's sometimes you see the word man in the Bible, it means mankind. That word, look it up, it means male species. That's what that word means, specifically to the male. It's not saying that women can't pray. It means this, when we get together corporately as a church, and we in one accord, and someone is going to lead in prayer, that needs to be the men of the church. Now praise God. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my mother praying for me. And praise the Lord when ladies get together and pray. But it's not the role of a lady. When we close tonight, I'm not going to say, All right, Miss Camille, would you stand and dismiss us in prayer? Right? That just made her feel so awkward, right? All right? All right? Because it's not that's not that's not that goes against scripture. That goes against scripture. That word is specific it means male and we know that not just because the words used but then he's going to talk about ladies next and a lady's role in the church and we're going to talk about that next week All right? but a lady's role in the church but here then like manner are also that i'm sorry in verse number eight i will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands See the atmosphere of prayer. Then I want close with the attitude of prayer, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. The bottom line is this: our praying should be done in holiness, humbleness, and honesty. Believing. When its verse says lifting up holy hands, I believe that it's a symbolic picture from Psalm Psalm 24 verse 3 and 4 that when we approach God we shouldn't have dirty hands if we're living in sin and filth we need to get that right before we try to worship God but I also believe it that there's nothing wrong, zero wrong in lifting up your hand to God And raising your hand as you pray to God, in your worship to God, we've allowed the charismatics to scare us to death to do that. And one person years ago, not here, right? They were they were here, but they're not here, right? Uh, but uh, they said, you know, they said, "I don't, I want to lift my hand in prayer." I said, "Go ahead." They said, "Well," said, "I, I don't, I don't want to like be one of the few people." I was like. Who is it for? Who is it for? Well, it's for God. Well, then do it for God. And I want to go clear on statement. There's nothing wrong with it when it's done scripturally. Now, rock music and the lights all fade, and the lights start shining around, and smog comes up. And somebody gets up with the guitar and drums, and you're like, woo! That's not what that verse is saying. What that verse is saying is, God, I love you, and I praise you tonight. There's nothing wrong with lifting a holy hand to God, it needs to be done in holiness, it needs to be done in humility, without wrath. Only by pride cometh contention, and if you're angry at people, you need to get that right tonight. And in honesty, no doubting, that we're praying to God. My heart's directed to God. And I want our church to be a place of worship that God is truly honored. The big debate about worship in churches today, I'll just stick with what the Bible says. It starts with prayer. First of all, we get together and we pray together. And we worship Him in spirit and in truth. And Paul says it's important, Timothy, share this with the church. Pray. For all men. These men need to do this, and our men need to do this. And then next week, and like men are also women. And we'll speak about that. But let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you. And I just pray, God.